You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am just broadcasting here from the Vivid Seats studios. Make sure you use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. Well, 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 well. What do you know? A lot of people been jawjacking for a while now. You got NFC North teams talking a bunch of smack. You know, I know the Packers beat the Bears, but I, you know, come on. I think the Bears are still probably best in the NFC North. Am I right? I mean, come on. Can 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 the church get an amen? The Bears are so good. By the way, that Khalil Mack trade, boy, did they dupe the Raiders on that one. All they had to do was sell their entire future, right? No first-round picks for eternity. I don't even like drafting players anyways. Who cares? It's not like we're good at it. So we might as well just forfeit that. And we'll just we'll go get Khalil Mack. Raiders will be trash forever. Besides, we got Trubisky. And then after that, you got the Vikings. They're, they're a very close second. After that, you probably got the Lions because they got something cooking. But the Packers, nah, I don't know. Their time has passed. Did you see that they lost to the Eagles at one time? Pfft, I don't even think the Eagles are good. Oh, what's that? The Eagles stomped out the Jets 31-6? to Oh, okay. I'm sorry, they had two interceptions and ten sacks? Is that what you're telling me? Two interceptions and ten sacks the Eagles did? And an additional ten tackles for a loss? And five pass deflections? I mean, the Jets aren't good, but... You would almost say that that's a competent football team. Interesting. Oh, and you mean when when teams have a week to kind of figure out Chase Daniels is going to be the quarterback, that he's not maybe so good anymore? 22 of 30, 231 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. David Montgomery, 2.3 yards per carry. Tariq Cohen, 2.5 yards per carry. Oh, that's crazy. About that Khalil Mack, though, huh? I mean, I bet he just tore up the Raiders for what he did to him. How many sacks? Four? What do you mean zero? What are you talking about? He is the best player that has ever happened. I, I don't. I. That doesn't even make sense. They must. I mean, did the team get five or four sacks or zero? Zero sacks on the on the whole day. Gotcha. Okay. But I mean, at, at least the Vikings beat the Giants, though, right? Packers are so doomed. I mean, the Packers beat the Vikings, but that won't happen again. I don't know if you know this, but the rock locker room is fixed. All it takes is one one absolute stomping on that Giants elite defense. I mean, any team that can put up 28 on the Giants has got something cooking. I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, anybody can put up 34 on the Dallas Cowboys without their number one wide receiver. That's I, I'm talking about real stuff here. I'm talking about Diggs and Thielen throwing up 28 on the Giants. 
You've probably never even heard of anything so crazy. Besides, the Dallas Cowboys scored 24 points on the Packers. 24, dude. That's so many points. That might be a franchise record. 24 whole points. I mean, how many teams actually got to 24? I mean, Jacksonville scored 24 on uh, Carolina. Well, actually, it was 27. But, I mean, they got Gardner Minshew, man. Minshew mania. Carolina scored 34 on that Jacksonville defense. But, you know, they got that one guy, literally the only guy on their entire offense. But, hey, he's so good, 34 points. Arizona Cardinals got 26, and they're kind of trash. But, uh, you know, whatever. Cincinnati got basically the same score. They don't have a anything. A.J. Green, the entire offensive line is injured. But that doesn't count. Atlanta, that can't do anything, scored 32 points on the Houston Texans defense. Atlanta gave up 53. Tampa also scored 24. And New Orleans without Breeze got to 31. Vikings got 28. Oakland scored 20. Oakland Raiders scored 24 on the Chicago Bears defense. Philly did, and Baltimore did, and Pittsburgh did, and the Patriots also did. But, I mean, Dallas has only got Zeke and Dak and, and, and Cooper and, and Cobb. and It doesn't even matter. I mean, it's still it's still a super big embarrassment for the Packers' defense that I thought was so good, giving up 24 points and stuff. Straight trash, am I right, guys? And, look, let's clear something else up. Just because the Packers are tied for first in the NFC anything with the Saints literally means nothing. The Saints and the Seahawks being 4-1, and one, I mean, who even cares? The 49ers are 3-0, and oh, so count me less than impressed. It means the Chiefs are also 4-1, and one, so, I mean, so what if they're one of the top five teams in the NFL? Who even cares? Again, lost to the Eagles. Need I say more? You guys getting it yet? Am I laying it on thick enough yet? It feels good, man. It's going to feel real good going to work, too. Some of these people just refuse to stop betting pizza bets with me and ice cream cake bets with me. Packers are going to lose. Packers are going to lose. That's all right. I'll take pizza and ice cream all day long. I'll keep taking it from them. I don't care. Anyways, that was, um, it, obviously it wasn't perfect. But in a way, you almost kind of expect that because the Dallas Cowboys are a very good team. Let's, let's first of all not get away from that fact. This is a very good football team. And when you've got Two really good football teams, two very desperate football teams that really, really, really want to win this. Anybody talking about Dallas underestimated the Packers without Devontae is is kidding themselves. Not one person on the Dallas Cowboys thinks of Aaron Rodgers coming into their home stadium and thinks, oh, this is no big deal. Zero chance that anybody thought that. They hate the Packers. They despise the fact that they keep winning. They know this is going to be a tough fight. Both teams know this is going to be an absolute slugfest. Both teams have a ton of injuries. The Packers had a ton of injuries during this game, and the referees were straight-up trash. There was no chance that this wouldn't be a sloppy game on both, both parts, for both teams, for everybody involved. But at the end of the day, the Packers just gave it to the Dallas Cowboys. Wasn't perfect. Lots of missteps. Gave us all several heart attacks. But at the end of the day, the Packers just went out and beat a a legitimate Super Bowl contender. That's all there is to it. I talked a lot of trash about the Dallas Cowboys, but there's zero question that's what they are. The fact of the matter is the Packers have played almost nothing but good teams, with the exception maybe of the Denver Broncos. 
The Bears have an elite defense. The, the the Vikings have a very good defense. Is what I mean. Cousins played like trash, but that's a it's a tal- a lot of talent on the offense, a lot of talent on that defense. The Eagles are a very very good football team. The Cowboys are a very very good football team. So far, against four very good football teams, they lost one game. While they're still trying to figure out how to run the football, which it seems like kind of got that going a little bit, still trying to figure out how to get the offense going in general, still getting their footing on defense a little bit, especially as offenses are trying to are starting to kind of figure out how to manipulate that that style of defense that Petten keeps running, and they just keep overcoming it. And and massive props, by the way, before we take our first break to this first-year head coach. Because I said after that Eagles game, I watched as a lot of guys were continually getting open, but I don't know what's going to happen against better competition. Now, the Dallas Cowboys aren't exactly, you know, locked down central, but guys were open a lot. And I'd be willing to bet if I go back and watch, there's a lot of guys who are getting open that just didn't get the ball either because of pressure or he's not looking the right way or whatever. I doubt Rodgers got the ball to every single open receiver. Matt LaFleur and that scheme is working. And again, they're just just scratching the surface now. At this point, the biggest thing we're battling isn't even other teams, it's injuries. That's it. Just stay healthy. Stay healthy and keep growing. And, and, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this league, but they've got what it takes. That's it. That's all there is to it. They have what it takes. They've got what it takes to go toe-to-toe with just about anybody. Anyways, let's take our first break, and uh, we'll be right back. Man, nothing really erases a big loss on Thursday, like a big trip to Dallas taking care of the Cowboys. Well, that and maybe making a little extra coin from the weekend's action. My bookie is your place this weekend for all the fun on Monday Night Football. Not only spreads and totals, but player props, like how many rushing yards for Aaron Jones or how many picks Dak threw. Also, it's not too late to get an NFC North ticket or other season-long predictions. And that's just scratching the surface. We at Overtime have teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME, and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so let's just run through a couple of these statistics, shall we? Because that's always kind of fun. So first of all, we'll look at the Dallas Cowboys because they obviously did a lot of stuff. 
Uh, Dak Prescott threw for 463 yards. Now, one, th- one thing that's going to be interesting as I go back and look at this is going to be how many of these things were. I, I don't know if I want to... No, I am. I'm, I'm going to call it garbage time. When you're down by as much as they were down by, it kind of becomes garbage time. Not not necessarily because you know you're losing or anything, or, or that you're going to lose, but the fact of the matter is when you come out at halftime and you're down by, geez, what was it, like 31-3 to 3 at one point? The fact of the matter is your offense changes and our defense changes so that you have an opportunity to be able to take a lot of big plays. Now, some of these obviously... Like, you know, the the big touchdown pass to, to Amari, that, that was never intended to be that way. But that's what some of this was. It was garbage time throws. And that even the, the show that I played yesterday, they talked about that, right? When um, Skip and Shannon were going back and forth, Skip says, I don't know what you're talking about with Ezekiel Elliott. Most of his runs come in garbage time. And Shannon fires back, you should know all about that because that's exactly what Dak does. He gets a bunch of garbage time yards. That's exactly what happened here. But 463 yards is a lot of yards, and it's something that you kind of wish didn't happen. However, the most important thing, he threw for two touchdowns, three interceptions. The defense wasn't great, but they came up big when it counted. A bunch of third, a couple real big third down sacks, and of course, three interceptions made the entire difference in this game. Ezekiel Elliott, similar situation. The negative stat that you want to look at, 5.2 yards per carry. The positive stat, 12 carries, 62 yards. They got beat up so bad, they couldn't even turn to him anymore. Um, Amari Cooper was the, the biggest problem for the team. Um, it was, you know, primarily Jair, but uh, Kevin King got beat a couple times by Amari. Amari just kind of had the Packers number. Uh, also, Michael Gallup had a really big day. Amari had 11 receptions for 226 yards and a touchdown. It seemed like every single one of his receptions was 20 yards down the field. And that's basically exactly what this stat is. You know, 11, 226 divided by 11. Michael Gallup, similarly, seven receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. So the big plays were a problem, and it wasn't just garbage time. A lot of these did come early. Kind of reminded me of the Vikings game, to be completely honest, where um, a lot of the plays were big plays. But it was different than the Vikings game because in the Vikings game, they couldn't do anything, and then they had a big play. This really was the Cowboys doing whatever they wanted to the Packers. And and, and honestly, after the Packers got their first touchdown, I didn't even react on that interception because I remember thinking, we're in a lot of trouble here. And I remember also thinking we can't count on this defense to just keep getting picks to save us from the Dallas Cowboys, except I was wrong because that's exactly what kept happening. Uh, Randall Cobb was 3 of 53. Witten had 29 yards. Zeke had 29, et cetera, et cetera. Cowboys didn't have any picks, but they had three pass deflections. Packers gave up two sacks, one to uh, Dorrance Armstrong, one to Jalen Smith. It's really not that bad. I mean, the, the offensive line has been holding up, especially when you look at all the injuries. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just used to Rodgers getting four sacks uh, per game. That was a pretty healthy standard for quite a while. But I don't think he had any sacks last week against the Eagles. Or it was one. I think Derek Barnett had one. So a lot, lot of positives, and that's another one, is that the... Uh, not that there aren't pressures, and there's, there's you know, a lot of times where Rodgers is going to have to scramble. And Rodgers is doing... I mean, there could have been a lot more sacks. He escaped quite a few. But um, his ability to get outside, and, and again, without Devontae, a lot of these scramble drills that probably could have turned into receptions, um, th- there just wasn't much there. Again, it wasn't a perfect game, right? When Rodgers rolls out to his right and there's zero players to his right and he has to throw it away, that's kind of unfortunate. But anyways, Packers statistics, Aaron Rodgers, 22 of 34, 238 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Aaron Jones carried 19 times for 107 yards, four touchdowns, 5.6 average. There's the Aaron Jones that we know and love. It's good to see him get going. And, and, and one of the things that I noticed, and somebody had mentioned this in the, the, I think it was in the Facebook group, I'm not sure. And I want to say it was Ryan, but I don't know, and I probably shouldn't misattribute it. But 
the question was posed, why don't we just go back to more inside running? Because Aaron Jones kind of already does that, and he's good at that, and kind of get away from this whole outside zone thing. I think we did a lot of that. I, I, I didn't, you know, take a tally, but a lot of these runs were just up the gut. A lot of these runs were, were inside between the, the guard and tackle, guard and center. You know, Aaron Jones bounced a lot outside, but, it, you know, when we're talking outside zone, it's it's a more of a long, elaborate, slow developing, and, and the problem is the offensive line doesn't hold up, and you got very aggressive defenses who are coming into the backfield and they're hitting us in the backfield, but Aaron Jones is just, you know, give him the ball and he's gone. And so I don't know what that does to the offense if we keep doing that, but it didn't seem to hurt the offense all that much. And maybe I'm just wrong about that. I don't know, but it just it felt that way. It felt like these were a lot of inside runs. Obviously, at the goal line was a lot of inside. So it'll be interesting to go back and look at that. But but obviously, it was successful, and Aaron Jones is very, very good at that. And uh, four touchdowns is just incredible. And by the way, and I hope the Packers have figured this out, Aaron Jones is automatic in, in the uh, in within what? the five-yard line it's an automatic touchdown it's been that way all year long I mean it may it might take a couple tries the only time we I think the only time we didn't convert is when we tried once and it failed and then we passed twice if we'd have run it two more times we probably would have got a touchdown there too and Aaron Jones would have five touchdowns on the day I mean he's, he's just automatic it's incredible um Aaron Jones was also the number one receiver on the team which is awesome seven receptions for 75 yards I mean geez geez it's so good to see that because that 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 is just a, a great weapon to have, especially on this day when I mean you look at the rest of the team. Where where are all the receivers? The next best receiver on the team was Jimmy Graham, three receptions, forty-one yards. Geronimo, two receptions, twenty. I mean, to be completely honest, if Aaron Jones struggles to run the ball like he has all year, this would have been an absolute trouncing by the Cowboys. If we didn't have Aaron Jones in this game, our our, our number one running back was Trey Carson, six carries for fourteen yards. 2.3 yard average. Jimmy Graham, three receptions, 41 yards. Geronimo, two receptions, 28 yards. Tanya, one. Re- it, it, when you look at the statistics from Aaron Rodgers, from Jimmy Graham, Geronimo, the, all the receivers, Mercedes or Marquez, one reception for 18 yards. It really just goes to, I think, Matt LaFleur a lot, and of course, Aaron Jones. But to be able to really just utilize all the different types of weapons you have. Because individually, nobody really did anything. But collectively, we got 15 receptions across eight receivers, and that's not including Aaron Jones. Outside of Aaron Jones, 15 receptions with eight different receivers. Danny Vitale, Jake Kumaro, Mercedes Lewis, Marquez, Trey Carson, Robert Tanya, Geronimo Allison, Jimmy Graham, and Aaron Jones. All getting the ball a ton. And you want to talk about game planning. You want to talk about scheme, the fact that we lose a number one wide receiver. So what do we do? Everybody on the planet said Marquez is going to be the guy. No, we feed Aaron Jones through the air. Defense, looking at some of the statistics, and, and again, defense, it's, it's hard to be upset because we don't win this game without the defense. 24 points is not a lot of points for the Dallas Cowboys, number one. And number two, for, for every big play that they gave up, there was a big play made. Kevin King forced a fumble. Kevin King also had a pick and two pass deflections. Chandon Sullivan had a pick and a pass deflection. Jair had, everybody said he had a bad day. Jair had a pick and three pass deflections on the day. He was playing pretty tight coverage, but he got burned a couple times. He was playing super aggressive. It was funny, I was watching a video yesterday, a, a, a kind of a guy who breaks down some, some quarterback stuff, and the, the question that he posed was, what do you do with a guessing corner? I kind of think Jair might be somewhat of a guessing corner, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just a big play corner who's really intelligent and is trying to play aggressive. 
because he trusts his skill set. The problem is sometimes you try to jump a route and it's a double move and it's going to hurt you, especially when you don't have safety help, and he never had safety help. He did get beat a couple times real bad. But again, those three pass deflections were solid, tight, tight, tight coverage. Blake Martinez, shockingly, wasn't uh, the number one tackler on the team. He's always number one by a lot. He only had four. He had four assists as well, which his eight would total the most. But Will Redmond had six and Kevin King had six. Redmond also had a tackle for a loss. Zedarius, two sacks on the day as well as two tackles for a loss. Preston with a sack and a TFL. Mason Crosby, two, two for two. J.K. Scott, six punts, 49.5 average, two pinned inside the 20. By the way, thank you to um, the geniuses on Twitter. J.K. Scott's new name is now officially J.K. 47, you know, because he's a weapon. Um, So that's awesome. Also, shame on all of us for not coming up with this little gem. That's for you, JK47. Thanks for coming into our lives and making us realize that we didn't have to compromise. We could have it all. Well, why don't we take our final break, and then I want to uh, look at what the future holds for the Green Bay Packers as well as uh, the NFC North, and then maybe get some sights and sounds from the Packernet Facebook group, and we'll uh, wrap up this here glorious Victory Monday. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's take a look at this here great and glorious Packernet.com Green Bay Packers 2019 schedule. The best schedule you'll find anywhere online. I want to just make sure you bookmark it. Otherwise, you end up doing what I do all the time, which is Google it, and you go to a bunch of garbage schedules that either leave out information or just are just terrible. So after that game, the continuation of this great schedule in which the Packers have a bunch of home games early and then it gets kind of tough because we got a a slog on the road which actually is if you kind of look at it to start the season the first seven games only two are on the road that's obviously in our favor after that it kind of starts a a road issue but it's really just two on the road and one at home so not I mean not the worst ratio and then we get a bye so it kind of resets then we got two on the road two at home two on the road it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. Everything's kind of broken up. But anyways, uh, Monday night, we've got the Detroit Lions next week. So the Packers have a good amount of time to prepare for this, but not nearly as much time as the Detroit Lions who have uh, a bye this week. It's not going to be an easy game. It's just not. I mean, the, the biggest thing is the Packers need to get back and get healthy. Definitely very winnable. I can't think of really anything that the uh, De- Detroit Lions have that the Dallas Cowboys don't. could almost say they're somewhat of a similar team but just to a lesser degree. The offensive line isn't as good. Stafford might be a better quarterback. I don't really know where to go with that. It's We'll just call it even. But uh, the running back probably isn't quite as good. 
Wide receivers aren't quite as good. Defensive line is good, but not quite as good. Linebackers are nowhere near as good. So again, it's 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 winnable, but it's not automatic. I mean, the Detroit Lions have been been doing some stuff, but the Packers are a better football team. That's another situation where as long as you don't shoot yourself in the foot, that should be a W, especially at home. After that, Oakland Raiders at home. Oakland's been doing some damage to some people. I think they're still probably underrated, maybe not as much anymore. It's the reason I said that that wasn't automatic, the Oakland Raiders could win that game. They did. It's because I've been watching them take it two teams. Um, but with that said, they were shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly, trying to lose to the Bears. The Bears wouldn't let them. So it'll be a, a fun little homecoming for Gruden. But that's another one we should win. After that, it gets really, really tough. Um, the Chiefs on the road, the Chargers on the road. I'm not predicting 0-2, but I feel like that's a situation where, although the, the Chargers just absolutely were terrible this past week, i.e. yesterday when they lost to the Denver Broncos, which is ridiculous. If that kind of a crazy trend holds up, um, that won't be that hard of a victory for the Packers. You know what the problem was? I'll tell you what it was. Melvin Gordon came back. <laughs> They just can't help themselves. they got to run them and hurt my fantasy team by, by not running Austin Eckler. Oh, yeah, let's let Melvin Gordon get all the carries, 2.6 yards. I know Austin Eckler had 2.3, but you know what happens when you let him run a lot? He's going to get more than that. But good, let Melvin Gordon ruin your team. That's fine. Don't even care. Don't even care. But if the Packers can win their next two games, we're looking at a 6-1 and one team going to Kansas City. Even if, just for argument's sake, we lose that, the Packers are 6-2, and two with a very real chance of being 8-2 and two going against the Chargers on the road and then the Carolina Panthers at home. Panthers aren't a guaranteed win. None of these are guaranteed wins. A lot of factors. We'll have to see what happens when we get there. But I don't necessarily see Carolina as a very legitimate threat. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's a good player. Outside of that, meh. Compared to what we've already gone up against, I'm good with meh. After that, we get a buy, which is good because then we go up against the 49ers, which I'm still not sure I'm 100% buying that. I'm kind of waiting for this implosion. They're undefeated, but they're, what, what are they? They're 3-0. and How have they played three games only? Everybody else has played five. What are you guys doing with your lives? But they're going up against Cleveland. I think, it, I, I got so many different picks. I keep saying like, oh, I predicted this and that, and then I've got three different pick em pools I'm in. I know that I picked Oakland in several, and I know that I picked Cleveland in a couple, but I also probably flipped it depending on which pick them thing. Cleveland could win that game. I think Cleveland started off slow, but they're starting to get into their rhythm, and I just don't know what San Francisco is. But either way, that will give us an opportunity to have a little bit of extra time. Not going to be an easy game, but um, again, compared to some of the teams we've gone up against, certainly not the toughest defense we've gone up against. It is on the road, but it is what it is, whatever. So let's just say hypothetically we're 8-2. and two. If we pull that off, we're, we're looking at 9-2. and two. We got the Giants. That's going to be 10-2. and two. The Redskins should be 11-2. and two. Chicago at home should be 12-2. and two. We're already in the playoffs. Even if we lose to San Francisco, by the time we beat the Bears, we would be 11-3. and three. Then we got Minnesota and Detroit. Even if we lose those two games in some kind of a fluke, 11 wins is, is we're good. If we look at this in a worst-case scenario kind of thing after beating the Cowboys, well, I mean, you can get real bad and say we lose to Detroit, but let's say we win those two games. Well, let, let, forget that. Let's just say over the next five games, Detroit, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Panthers, if we went two and three, let's just say three and two. Right, Maybe we lose to Detroit, maybe the Chiefs, maybe the Chargers, maybe the Panthers. But let's say we pull off three wins over this next five weeks, three of which were at home, be 7-3. and three. If we lose to the 49ers, we'd be 7-4. and four. We're going to beat the Giants and the Redskins. That's 9-4. and four. We should be able to beat the Bears. That would be 10-4. and four. So even if we lose to the Vikings and the Lions on the road, there's a chance. I don't, I don't know. I, just, I think things are setting up kind of nicely. 
unless things really go south and we can't be, I mean, there's a lot of those like iffy games that should be wins. Detroit is an iffy game that should be a win. We have to win those kinds of games. We have to beat the Detroit Lions. We got to beat the Carolina Panthers. Those are kind of the, the tough games that, that need to be converted into W's. So really, I guess what I'm saying is the Packers control their own destiny at this point. They have what they need. Win the games that you should win, and it's automatic playoffs. If you can stay healthy and just win those kind of you know, games that you should win, but it's not guaranteed, like the Lions, like the Raiders, like the Chargers, like the Panthers, like the Giants, like the Redskins, like the Bears at home, like the Lions again, you know, all of a sudden the, the Chiefs game, the 49ers game, the, the Vikings in Minnesota, those are tough games, but it, it doesn't even matter. But then you pull off a couple of those. You know, if, if we can beat the Chiefs, it's just, it just things just blown wide open. And we're going to have to at some point, right? At some point, you got to be able to get to that level. But I'm not going to freak out in week eight if, if we don't beat the Chiefs, or even if there's some fluke loss like to the Lions or whatever. It, it, far from out of playoff contention. It's just a matter of once you get into that, once you get into the playoffs, suddenly it's like, okay, now we have to be good enough to beat the Chiefs, to beat the Patriots, to beat all these other teams. But in week eight, nah, just stay healthy and keep growing. Anyway, sights and sounds from the Packernet Facebook group. Kona says, my favorite play from the game, Jones catches the pass, makes Van Der Esch miss, goes outside and puts Jalen Smith on his back. That was a fantastic, one of one of many, I think it, pretty much every highlight outside of the D, on offense, I'll say, was an Aaron Jones highlight. He was just above and beyond. And yeah, making people miss, that, that slam just shows that amount of power that he has, which you never really see. The speed, he had a comment uh, that he had thrown out there at some point saying something like, yeah, I'm faster than four or five. That guy that was chasing me, the corner, I think the guy that he waved at, maybe it was somebody else, I'm not sure, but he's like, he runs a four or three and I outran him. So I just want to throw that out there. By the way, he's got a good point because there was another time in which he was clocked as one of the five fastest players. Like in all of football, you know, they, they track speed and all that stuff during the games. He was the top five fastest player of the week. Aaron Jones is fast. You know, it's, it's, it's just really impressive to see a guy who's kind of a smaller back to be able to just do everything. I mean, he's he's he broke out kind of as a receiver in this game. He re-broke out as a runner in this game. He proved his speed in this game. He demonstrated his power in this game. I mean, there's nothing he couldn't do in this game. James replied to that and said, it's got to be Jones's little wave um, on the touchdown for me. That was probably it for me, too. I just I just absolutely lost it. It was kind of one of those things where I'm already celebrating, and I, I kind of saw his hand go up. I thought maybe it was like a stiff arm. And then I was like, wait a minute, did he wave to him? They showed the replay, and I see him wave, and I just I geeked out, man. I just lost it. That was glorious. Uh, Grayson says, I would give an entire next paycheck to punch Aikman in the face. I... I I've, I almost never turn the radio radio on and turn the mute the TV. I, I like to listen to the TV. The radio is always delayed. I was very 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 close to turn. I he is intolerable. Every single penalty, he thought the Cowboys did nothing wrong. Some of them were super clear. Like, I don't know about that one. Every single time. The Cowboys did nothing wrong. The Packers always did something wrong. Even when there wasn't a flag, he's calling out penalties. Oh, that should have been a penalty there. I don't know. Let's let's bring in the officiating guy. Even when there's no flag to, to prove my point that the Packers should have been penalized on that play. Anybody that says he's not biased is a joke. Especially in this game because he's a he's a Cowboys homer and he hates the Packers. That was I don't know if you guys remember Vic Ketchman over at Packers.com. That's when he just lost all credibility to me. 
that was at one point because everybody kept hammering on how biased Aikman was, and he's like, I just don't see it. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to listen to this game, and it was a Packers-Cowboys game, I think. And he's like, all right, I'm going to listen to this one and see if he's biased. He was unbelievably biased. He comes back the next day, and he writes in his column, I listened to it. There was nothing biased in that. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm over it. I can't I can't do this anymore. Clearly. Cle- oh, you know what it was? I'll tell you exactly what game it was when Vic Ketchman said, oh, no, he's not biased. It was the day that Aikman said Clay Matthews, um, I think Clay Matthews was held, and Aikman made the comment like, oh, they got a good acting school out there. That game that I vividly remember to this day when there was a blatant penalty against Clay Matthews that was not called, and Aikman called him a good actor. That guy's ridiculous. David posted Stephen A. Smith. I just, I can't do it. I can't. The acting is so bad. He does lay into the Cowboys, which is awesome. I'm just, I'm not going to play the clip, but um, kind of got me thinking. The Cowboys, by the way, I think are 0-2 against teams that aren't trash. Just also want to throw that out there. Billy also posted something, which you kind of have to see it to understand it, but it is nice, let me say, after hearing all this trash talk about how Zeke is going to destroy the Packers' defense. And he, you know, five-something yards of carry. Everything was fine as far as their run game. It wasn't not working. But after all that trash talk, guess who the best running back in Dallas was? Aaron Jones by a mile. Joseph says at the end of the day, that was a great team win on all levels and showed tons of promise. And that also very true. It was every single part of this team contributed. Special teams contributed, defense contributed, offense contributed. At every single level, even amidst the injuries, they showed up. Again, it wasn't perfect, but they showed up. Something else that I thought about is that this defense is sort of a rhythm defense, which is kind of strange, but you can just feel when they get into it, when the blood's in the water, they start getting fired up. Now, they didn't have it at first, and then all of a sudden they started getting into a rhythm, and it was like, oh, man, and you just start feeling confident. Then they kind of lost it toward the end, which I think, again, was kind of schematic. Pettin's kind of pulling back, just trying to prevent big plays, which didn't exactly work, but it changed the tenor, and that's when the offense started picking up. But this defense, man, when it gets going, if I'm Pettin, I'm looking to to kind of spark some stuff. I'm, I'm going to call some exotic plays kind of early. I'm going to try to get some pressure because they start getting sacks. They start smelling the blood in the water. They start getting crazy. Kona also says, quick, everybody, set up your DVR to record Skip and Shannon tomorrow. I got Somebody's got to remind me to go find some clips of that because that's going to be glorious. Shannon is just going to absolutely shred him. Although, Skip is just going to come out and say, see, I was right. Dak threw for 400 and some yards, and that's just how that's going to go. That's going to be his, his say. I mean, the, the three picks and all that, but the bottom line is Skip said, Dak isn't the answer. See, I did it again. Zeke isn't the answer. Dak is the answer. Zeke got... 30 yards and Dak threw for 400 yards that's obviously without any context but that's how this show goes it doesn't matter that's that's my argument I'm gonna stand by it and I'll be fine (laughs) little joke from Billy y'all ready for a dad joke got a little joke for you how does a Dallas Cowboys fan change a light bulb they don't they just talk about how good the old one was but um could have got a little sound thing but I'm getting a little short on time Todd says, and this is the negative of the day, and, and injuries going forward is going to be a, uh, a big question mark um, for the team. But he says, let me get this straight. Injured Packers today are Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, Robert Tanyan, Zadarius Smith, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, and Corey Lindsay. Not Lin- Lindsley. That's fine. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty concerned about Savage. It was real good seeing him up and walking around because it looked like his knee just got snapped in half. I mean, clearly a knee should not bend the way that it bent, but I'm thinking if there was like a torn ligament he probably wouldn't have been up jogging around Rashawn Gary I think is okay 
Tanya and I don't know the situation. Zadarius I'm worried about, but they kept putting him back out there. And super big props to to Zadarius, but after like the third time laying up on the field, it's like, would somebody please drag him off the field and just tie him to something? Just grab grab some chains and chain him to a a fence post somewhere. I, I don't know. Stop letting him go on the field. I mean, we need him. There's a big comeback that the, the Cowboys are trying to mount, but I don't want to lose him for the season for this. He's clearly got some kind of a knee injury. That guy needs to be off his feet for the whole week. Best doctors in the world just, I don't know, doing some kind of voodoo to it. Just just please help his knee. Aaron Jones, I don't know what happened to Aaron Jones. I don't remember seeing him hurt. Uh, Kevin King got hurt again. By the way, how huge is it that Kevin King was able to play in this game? Again, he gave up a couple passes, but I think it would have been somewhat of a slaughter if we had to do next man up because I think there is a significant... I, I think we've got three guys. Jair, Kevin King, and Tremont are the guys. After that, I think it's a pretty massive drop-off, and I'm worried about the level of play. And I maybe I shouldn't be. Chandon Sullivan came up with a big pick. You know, maybe these guys can handle it. I don't know. As far as Lindsley, I don't really know what happened. I don't know what happened to him. A uh, little bit concerned about that. I mean, obviously... Everything worked out aside from a bunch of errant snaps, but you know, give that guy a week of of, uh, of of practice, maybe things get a little bit better. I don't know. Seth says Dean Lowry is trash. Changed my mind. I'm not going to because I didn't really notice that he wasn't playing well, but I do know that he has been struggling recently, and that's not good. But if anybody would like to go change his mind, he is in the Facebook group awaiting your uh, discussion. So far, no comments. So apparently, nobody disagrees. Anyways, I think that's enough for today. Make sure you get yourself in the Packernet Facebook group. It's always a lot of fun in there. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. It's a great day to be alive. Go enjoy that brisk, cold air. It's officially football season. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.